when we go get in a vehicle to take a road trip somewhere, like there's certain things that we know we should check. You know, every vehicle pretty much in, in the entire country has a spare tire. That spare tire is there in the event of an emergency. And yet when we bring new customers in, new clients in, when we have them experience our company for the first time, we are just hoping and praying that we don't have a flat along the way. We don't have the spare tire in place that is the, the checks and the balances in the event things do get out of line. You work hard in your business. On the Profit by Design podcast, we ask the big question. What has your business done for you lately? Hi, I'm Dr. Sabrina Starling. I'm the business psychologist, the author of the Four Week Vacation and the How to Hire the Best series, as well as the founder of Tap the Potential, where we coach entrepreneurs like you to design sustainably profitable businesses that give you more time for what matters most and more money in your bank account than ever. Because after all, we believe work supports life, not the other way around. Weekly on the Profit by Design podcast, we bring you tips, tools, and strategies from our own experiences and from the experiences of our guests who are entrepreneurial thought leaders and real life entrepreneurs, all to support you in making intentionally profitable and sustainable business decisions to live the lifestyle you desire. Profit Designers, the four-week vacation, the entrepreneur's ultimate guide to taking your life back from your business is now available. Go to fourweekvacation.com, grab a copy of the book, and be sure to follow the steps there to claim your bonuses. When you purchase the book, you are eligible to join me for my upcoming live training, the four-week vacation, better business, better life jumpstart. Plus, and you'll also get an invitation to an exclusive VIP closed door training with me to identify the true profit potential within your business. Just follow the steps at fourweekvacation.com. And I hope that the four week vacation book inspires you for what's possible. It's time to take your life back from your business. Welcome to the Profit by Design podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sabrina Starling, and I am joined today with a good friend of mine for quite some time, Wayne Mullins of Ugly Mug Marketing. And Wayne recently released his newest book, Full Circle Marketing, Transform Your Marketing and Turn Customers into Evangelists. And I was telling Wayne as we came on, this book is He's really nailed it with his book with marketing because he's boiled it down to it's really simple and it doesn't have to be complex. And we business owners make our marketing much more complex and complicated and expensive <laughs> than it needs to be. And one of the things that I want to share as I introduce Wayne is that I've had the privilege of working with Wayne and his company, Ugly Mug Marketing, for, for quite some time. And one of the big things that we do at Tap the Potential, there's a book we have called The Four-Week Vacation. And The Four-Week Vacation has a pledge in it and a challenge to take a four-week vacation. And it was actually Wayne who inspired me to issue The Four-Week Vacation Challenge. You shared a story with me, Wayne, about throwing a hat over the fence. When I was talking to you about the retreat we were planning in 2018, and I said, you know, I want to get these business owners taking a four-week vacation, and I, I want to do something that is memorable and it's going to make an impact. And you, you said, well, 
if you really want someone to commit to something, you need to get them to throw their hat over the fence. And that was the birth of the four-week vacation challenge. So I really appreciate that, Wayne. And that really, that ties into what you share in Full Circle Marketing about finding a way to be different, finding a way to get your customers to commit and move forward. So with that, I want to share a little bit of your formal bio so that our listeners know you more in full. So Wayne Mullins is a husband, father of four, founder, entrepreneur, and author. Over the past 20 years, he's had the privilege of scaling multiple companies and helped hundreds of entrepreneurs do the same with their companies. Wayne's marketing agency, Ugly Mug Marketing, has won the praises of some of the leading influencers in the business world, such as Neil Patel, founder of Quick Sprout, and Chris Voss, author of Never Split the Difference, and Greg McKeown, author of Essentialism and Effortless. There's nothing Wayne loves more than helping entrepreneurs push through limiting beliefs and achieve more than they thought possible. So Wayne, welcome to the Profit by Design podcast. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be back and I'm excited for this conversation because in many ways we're catching up. We haven't seen each other in a little bit. So thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And I also want to share that the last time you were here with me on the Profit by Design podcast, we dug deep into team building. And that's one of our most popular episodes because at Ugly Mug, you've built a company that not only is phenomenal at what you guys do with websites and marketing, but you've built a powerful team and it's a team that learns and grows together. So we will link to the previous episode that we did with you because I imagine a lot of our listeners would love to learn your insights on team building. Yeah, that's great. For me right now, you know, I've studied marketing so much and done marketing for so long now that, you know, it's not as exciting as it once was. Uh, so the thing for me right now is team building, it's culture, it's, you know, how do you build that high performance team? And so that's the stuff that excites me. Don't get me wrong. I love marketing. I love what we do with marketing, but the stuff that you do with all your work and finding A players, attracting A players and having an environment where A players want to stay, to me, that's the fun part. And, you know, the thing that's so funny about that is it's the thing that doesn't come natural to me. Like I'm super high level introvert for the longest I told myself these stories about I'm terrible with people. I can never manage people, can't lead people. Like I'd rather run the other way than deal with people. And so honestly, over the past probably four or five years, it's been a very intentional journey for me down that path. So yeah, that's full circle, I guess. I acknowledge you on that, Wayne, because the studies we've been doing with entrepreneurs at Tap the Potential, that is one piece that shows up over and over is that we are really good with vision, strategy, you know, making things happen. But when it comes to dealing with team and people, that's a bit of a gap. And so the way that you've really dug into this and you've embraced it for yourself, particularly as an introvert, I'm an introvert as well. So I, I totally get it. And I think I want to give a shout out here to introverts, because I think one of the things that we do really well are small groups and building intimacy in our relationships. And so, and that for a small business can be a powerful strength for an introvert because we do have, we tend to have smaller teams in business. And one of the most effective tools that we've found for improving communication and loyalty on a team is having one-to-one -one meetings with a direct supervisor or the business owner. And we introverts, we can do that easy, that comes easy, except if we have to do like 20 one-to-ones, <laughs> then we're really worn out. So 
I think the team building is fascinating. And you actually, in my mailbox yesterday, I got a newsletter from you guys. You know, the first article in the front is an article that you wrote and you talked in there about this woman and her two dates. Do you remember what I'm talking about? And I was wondering if you would share that story here with us. Because as I was reading it, I could almost hear you telling it. It was like I could hear your voice in my head. So I, I would love to hear you tell the story. Sure. Yeah. So the story is about the prime minister election in Britain. I don't remember the exact date. It, I think it was in the article, but it, I believe it was late 1800s, if I'm not mistaken, maybe early 1900s when this took place. And rumor has it that this woman went on two different dates with the two men that were running for the prime minister position in Great Britain. And the media found out, the newspapers found out that she'd gone on a date with each of these men. So they approached her and they said, you know, what was it like? What was your experience with each of these two men? And she said, when I was with Mr. Gladstone, by the end of that dinner, I thought that he was the smartest man in the entire country. And then they said, okay, well, what about when you were with Mr. Desrelli? And she said, when I finished dinner with Mr. Desrelli, I thought that I was the cleverest woman in all of England. And so I think that sometimes the whole kind of gist of that article or that part of the newsletter was this, that oftentimes, particularly entrepreneurs, we love to show off our baby, right? Our businesses are our baby, our products, our services, what we do. We love to show that off. And we love for people to think that we're smart, that we're clever, that we're, you name it. And so I was kind of, that originally, that article actually came from an email that I sent to our team. And it was raising the question, what if we flip that around? What if we become like Mr. Desrelli? We're more concerned about how our clients feel, not about us, but about themselves. So that's the super quick version of the story. I think that is so important for us to pay attention to. And it ties right into a statistic that you share in Full Circle Marketing that just stopped me in my tracks. And that is 95% versus 5%. So we tend to put 95% of our marketing dollars towards attracting new business and only 5% to retaining and what retaining our existing clients and customers. And so what if we are focusing on how we're making our clients and customers feel and we're using a significant portion of our marketing budget to enhance those efforts and leverage and to really build on those efforts? Yeah, you're spot on. I think marketers, we often, you know, I came from sales. Sales was my background. And then I realized that, you know, you can only sell so much, but if you get into marketing, like that's kind of the megaphone, if you will, that amplifies what you're able to do in sales. And salespeople are notorious for getting people to the point of sale, getting them to pull out their wallet, and then they run on and find the next person to repeat the process. And, you know, part of that is that's just the way that compensation is typically structured for salespeople. You know, it's, they're designed to get people to buy their pay structures are designed for that. But marketers kind of carry that same mentality over. We're so focused on getting people to the point of the sale, getting them to pull out the wallet and hand us the money. And then we go out and repeat that process over and over again. But I like to bring up the kind of counterintuitive point. What if we instead don't view that as the end? In other words, when they pull out the wallet and hand us the money, what if we actually viewed that as maybe a midpoint of the journey? You know, we live in this world where every single person has this little device that's in their purse, their pocket, 
whatever it may be. And that little device has the power to broadcast messages literally around the world in an instant. And yet as marketers, we're so slow to figure out, okay, all of these people who have now given us money, who have bought our products or services, we have the potential to turn them into evangelists for our brands, for our products or services. But we're so short-sighted, we're out chasing the next sale, right, to bring them back in. Yeah. And, you know, at Tap the Potential, one of the strategic efforts we put in place at the beginning of the year is to really focus on retention and developing our relationships with our very best clients and looking at how do we serve them on the journey. So I really relate to what you're you're describing here. And in terms of the evangelist, you're making me think about Joey Coleman's book, Never Lose a Customer Again, and the process that people go through psychologically when they come into the business and what the experience is like for them. And you even get into that in Full Circle Marketing, where you just start talking about, you know, what is that experience like and what can we do to enhance it? And I think you talked about debris on the road and obstacles. Would you share a little bit more about what you said in Full Circle Marketing about that? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, one thing I think that that's important just to point out before we go down that path is this, that oftentimes as entrepreneurs, as marketers, we kind of deceive ourselves in terms of the level of service that we actually provide our customers or clients. Bain and company did this study where they went around, they surveyed 4,000 small business owners across the United States. And they asked them, they said, how do you rate your level of service from these categories? So category one's phenomenal. Category two is you know, great. Category three is good, average, terrible. And so they go ask 4,000 business owners this question and they come back and the responses are 80% of those people said that 80% of the business owners said that they provide phenomenal service to their customers and clients. Well, Bain and Company says, you know, they're a smart company. They're like, something's not quite right here. There's no way that's reality. So they went back to those same 4,000 business owners and said, do you mind if we go to your customers, your clients, and ask them the same question? What level of service do you feel that you're receiving from this company? And believe it or not, but only 8% of those customers they surveyed said that the companies they do business with provided phenomenal service. And so step one is we have to start by acknowledging that, um, again, it's our baby. We love this thing. We love our products and services. And we're probably looking at it through rose-colored glasses or you know through jaded lens. So we have to start with that. And when we do, we can then say the litmus test that I love for people to go through is this make a list of all the points of interaction that take place through your buying cycle or post buying cycle. Make a list. So jot down, you know, they pick up the phone and call. Well, how many rings do they expect the phone to ring before you pick up? Write that number down, go through the next thing. So they place the order. How long does it, do they expect it to take for them to place the order? You know, two minutes, write that down. So you, you create this entire list of what a reasonable average customer expects and then on the side of that, you write down, what does it look like when we exceed those expectations? So if they expect us to answer the phone in whatever, three rings, but we do it in two, that exceeds. If they expect the order to take two minutes, but we're able to do it in one minute, that exceeds. But then the true litmus test comes in when you define, you clearly define what does it look like when we do not hit expectations? 
and you jot those things down. Now what you have is you literally have a test. You can hand that, that sheet of paper, that document to someone and say, I want you to document what takes place the next time someone goes through this process. Did we answer the phone within X number of rings or did we not? And so you have a scorecard in your hands on that process, which all that to say, what often happens is we end up building debris, allowing debris to get cluttered on the pathway or we put up obstacles. So just two weeks ago, I had some work done on my vehicle. I go down, I dropped it off earlier that day, go back that evening to go pick it up. And I go in and I pull out an American Express card and hand them the card. And he says, I'm sorry, we don't take American Express. I'm like, okay. He said, do you have something else? Well, the only two cards I had with me were both American Express cards. And so I said, I don't. I said, I probably shouldn't have said this, but inside of me, I said, look, you know, we process a lot of cards as well. We accept American Express. I realize that it's probably slightly more expensive for you to accept American Express, but you're deterring customers, right? You're making it difficult for customers when you don't accept it. He wasn't pleased with my comments about that. As a business coach, Wayne, I totally relate because I, I spot these things out there in the world all the time. So I know I support you in pointing that out for them. Yeah. And here's the thing, like that was an obstacle to me doing business with them. And it made what would have been probably a great experience. It turned it at the very last minute, a very non-great experience to the point that I'm here sharing it with you and your audience, you know? I think that's such a good point. And as a business owner, wait, and we have a lot of systems in place and we, I think our strongest systems really are in our first 100 days because we've been very intentional with that process. And yet it's so easy for that debris to appear and build up. My team just sent me a couple of videos that are part of our orientation for new clients as they're joining. And there's some messaging in there that's out of date, that's no longer in alignment with how we run our program. And there were videos that were being sent to our clients who are renewing with us that are appropriate only for somebody who's totally brand new to us. So that's those are examples right there of debris that are in the way. And so I think it's, I just want to emphasize how important this litmus test is that you're describing. And it's not a once and done thing. I think that's probably something that we want to be doing on a regular recurring basis. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, you know, one of the other things that I would recommend for anyone is leave your place of business go borrow someone else's phone and call your place of business and observe the way you're treated, them not knowing that it's you calling. You know, when I've challenged people to do that, first of all, most of them kind of object and they're like, oh no, you know, they're fine. But once they do it, the majority of the time, they realize that the service being provided, the way that their calls are being handled is not up to the level that they believe that they were being handled. And so just like you're saying, you know, when we go get in a vehicle to take a road trip somewhere, like there's certain things that we know we should check. You know, every vehicle pretty much in, in the entire country has a spare tire. That spare tire is there in the event of an emergency. And yet when we bring new customers in, new clients in, when we have them experience our company for the first time, we are just hoping and praying that we don't have a flat along the way. We don't have the spare tire in place that is the, the checks and the balances in the event, things do get out of line. 
yeah, it's just like a vehicle. Actually, my vehicle was in the shop for a front end alignment. And there was nothing necessarily wrong with my vehicle other than it started over time pulling one direction. And so the same is true. Like our systems and processes over time, just gravity, just people neglecting things, or just somebody was here doing it one way. Now that person's not here. It's got to be realigned. And so I completely agree with what you're saying. Yeah. Realignment is a good term for this. So in full circle marketing, there's a few really strong points that are just, I would consider them touchstones for us entrepreneurs to hold going forward that will really change how we market our businesses. And you talk about the two natural laws of marketing, and you also share your story of the rocks. I would love it if you would elaborate a little bit on those points. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so one of my beliefs is this, that over time, so there are foundations to all business, right? There's just certain core things that we know to be true, but we complicate them. It's Occam's razor, right? The simplest answer is usually the best answer. Not always, but usually the the simplest solution. I know there's much more to Occam's razor than that, but that's the gist of it. We complicate things. And what I believe happens in marketing is this, that there are foundational pieces of marketing that have been around since persuasion began. And what happens is a guru comes along and they say, oh, that's a great thing, but here's my spin on this thing, on this foundational piece. There's nothing wrong with that. But then guru number two comes along, looks at what guru number one is doing, and they don't necessarily spin off of the foundation. They spin off of what guru number one is doing. So then the next guru comes along. And so what happens over time is the things that are being taught in marketing and business, they get lost through all these translations, through everyone's interpretations of what works best. And so we we end up separated from the foundational pieces. And that's what I tried attempted to go back to in the book is what are the core foundational pieces. And at the end of the day, you know, I believe that marketing really comes down to psychology and math. Psychology because it's it's about persuasion. It's about human nature, the way humans think, the way humans interact. Um, the emotional side, the logical side, how that that happens. And then math, because if we're not holding our marketing dollars accountable, we don't know if it's effective. We don't know if it's not effective. And so those two things in combination, I believe are a foundational piece of all marketing, psychology and math. Yeah. And you figured this out for yourself. Like you tell the story back in 2005, you were really struggling and you were trying to figure out how to get things going. And you came up with a, a pretty brilliant idea. Yeah. So the marketing rock, it's so funny. Literally just this week, we had somebody stop in the office. They were applying for a job. They, had, they didn't have an appointment or anything, but they brought their resume and they came in. They said, I remember back in the day when I would find rocks all around town for your company. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so you know, in the early days, trying to figure out how to get a message to resonate within our market, it was very challenging. And so literally went to the garden center, bought some smooth rocks, you know, the kind of rock you would skip across a lake and took a Sharpie. And we wrote on those effective marketing doesn't have to be expensive. And so we'd then take those rocks and leave them around places where business owners, entrepreneurs would likely go. So certain restaurants in town where they would likely go for lunch, we'd go in there, we'd eat, leave them behind on the tables leave them, you know, hotel lobbies, et cetera. And as a result, that one simple thing, and we could dive into why that thing worked if you'd like, but as a result of those rocks, 
first of all, the impact of such a simple little thing. It's just so profound. Like the lady who came in applying for a job, you know, I had never met this person. This person didn't know me, but they remembered the rocks. As a result of those rocks, though, the rock would get would picked up by somebody. They would then hand it to a friend or to a colleague. And as a result of those simple rocks, I mean, it's it's generated literally millions of dollars for us over the years as a result of that. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the psychology behind that and why it works, because that is that's really fascinating. And I think our listeners can relate to what they're doing in their business when they hear the psychology in this. Yeah, absolutely. What I would say is that most of the time when we approach marketing, we typically think of, you know, I need to broadcast my message to the world. I need to reach as many people as possible. And so staying with the rock analogy, I'd say is like, you know, reaching down and picking up a bunch of gravel and you throw it and hope it sticks or hits the right people. But with the marketing rock, a couple of things to point out. Number one, the message in and of itself resonated with our audience. So we knew the audience extremely well. We know that entrepreneurs, business owners, they're often frustrated with their marketing because number one, they don't know if it's working. They all believe it's way too expensive. And you know, there's this long other list of things we could dive into, but those two things are often the points of conversation. And so the message on the rock itself, when it says effective marketing doesn't have to be expensive, it speaks to the things that are going on in the back of their head. Not only does it speak to the price, but the rock in and of itself speaks to the simplicity of how good marketing can be or can work, right? It doesn't have to be this elaborate thing. It can be something very simple, very basic. But if we had gone and left those rocks, you know, in just completely random places, yes, they probably could have found their way to business owners. But because we were strategic, and again, it's super low cost, so it really didn't matter. Because we were super strategic in where they went, they ended up in the right hands much quicker than if we'd literally just gone around to random places. And so an important lesson or point in that is, you know, stop picking up gravel and just throwing it and hoping it sticks. Instead, get to know who your customers are, where they go, what they drive, where they shop, all these things, because it enables you to pinpoint, to put your messaging right in front of them. Yeah. So really knowing your avatar and the psychographic profile of your avatar. And I know when we first started working together, you asked me all, I remember us having coffee at the local coffee shop and you were just going through and asking me all the questions about who our top clients are and what are they like? And because that really does make a difference in our ability to get right in front of them and with the right message that's going to to resonate with them. The whole concept in full circle marketing with respect to moving people through the cycle of being strangers, friends, customers, evangelists, as you laid that out in that graphic, I just thought that is so simple. And if I could just because marketing in my mind always feels like so overwhelming and complex. And when someone says, we're going to make a campaign, I'm just like, oh gosh, (laughs) another campaign. But you said, you know, you just need three campaigns in your business. And you think about a campaign for each of those, how you move someone through each of those phases. So I want to ask you to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. So the way I love to explain it, because people listening, they can't see the picture. So I always say, think of an old 
analog clock, a circle clock hanging up on the wall. And so at the 12 o'clock spot on the clock, you have out there what would be called strangers. So an important point is this. Strangers are people who you believe would be a good fit for your product or service. They would receive value from purchasing your product or service, but they don't know about you yet. So a stranger isn't everybody in the world who doesn't know about you. A stranger specifically everyone who doesn't know about you, but you believe could benefit from your product or service. And so that's at 12 o'clock. At the three o'clock spot, we have friends. And so friends are people who know about us and they like us to some degree. Now, to move people from strangers to friends, there are two ingredients that are required. Number one, they have to know about us. And number two, they have to like us to some degree. And people are often confused by that when I say they have to like us. There are people out there, depending on your business or industry, who may never like what you do. So for example, if you're a cattle rancher and you raise grass-fed beef, it's probably not best for you to spend your marketing dollars trying to reach vegetarians or vegans, right? And we know that, like we all know that. And yet, if we go look at our marketing dollars, chances are we're spending money reaching people that will never like us because of, like you said, their socio-information, economic information, their, all that stuff. They may never like what we do. So anyway, at three o'clock, you've got friends. They know about us. They like us. At six o'clock on the clock is where you have customers. So this is when the money comes out. Now, there's one core ingredient that's required to move people from friends to customers, and that is trust. In the book, I say, and I believe this to be true, is that where trust goes, money flows. They have to trust that you're going to deliver on what you say you're going to deliver. They have to trust that the dollars they're going to part with are going to be of less value than the value they receive from your product or service. So on that side of the clock, I call that the attraction side. So from the 12 o'clock spot down to the six o'clock spot, everything on the right-hand side, that is what I would call the attraction side. And that is where 95%, as we talked about in the very beginning, 95% of marketing dollars go on that side. But over here at the nine o'clock spot on the clock, we have the opportunity to create evangelist. And the ingredient that's required there to go from a customer to an evangelist is love. And what I mean by that is you have to get clear about expectations. You have to clearly exceed expectations with the product, the service, the way it was delivered, the way you followed up, all those elements. You have to clearly exceed those. They have to love what you do. And when you do that, the beautiful thing happens is that those evangelists then move across to the three o'clock spot and they tell their friends. And what they're doing is they're imparting their trust, their liking, their knowledge of your company to their friends and family. And, you know, this is where it goes back to that common kind of common sense thing. If you were to ask business owners, entrepreneurs, where do your best customers come from? Where do your best clients come from? The answer overwhelmingly is usually word of mouth or referrals. Our best customers, our best clients come from word of mouth or referrals. And then you say, okay, if that's true, what are you doing to intentionally create more of those people, more of the people who will refer others to you, more of the people who will go out and talk to others about you. And that is what we call the natural progression. The big whole clock thing is the natural progression because it's the way people naturally flow through a buying cycle. So the evangelists, 
and turning, moving someone from the customer to the evangelist side and really how we're, we're missing that, that really ties right back into how do we make people feel in that experience that they have? Not that they think we're great, but it's us being so concerned about their success that we're checking in with them and we want to get to know them and we're rooting for them to be successful. And we're tailoring our services and aligning what we're offering them so that they succeed. That's spot on. I mean, you know, when we talk about customer avatar, because it, it all goes back to that. Typically, when we bring that up to somebody, the default answer is, oh, yeah, I already know about my customer. Like, like I know everything I need to know about them. And so what's happened over time is trying to kind of shake people out of this mentality of, you know, yes, I know you know your customers, but like, let's dive into this more because this is where it's at. We developed this other tool and we could just call it the magic journal page. And so what we now tell our clients to do is we want you to be able to write a journal page from your client's journal. And so what we say is this, imagine your ideal client wakes up in the morning, they wipe the sleep from their eyes, they get their cup of coffee and they're stumbling over to their desk. They sit down, they open up their journal and they flip to the what's supposed to be the blank page for the day. And there's words on the page and they begin reading these words and they're like, think they're still dreaming. They're confused. Like what's going on here? Because these words make sense. Someone has written the exact pain that they're feeling in the moment, the exact frustrations that they're going through in their lives, the things that they're celebrating, this person understands and knows. And so what we have them do now is we actually have them write that journal page. In other words, you're writing it from the perspective of the customer, the client who's sitting down in the morning and expressing, pouring out their heart to the page. And that exercise mentally shifts you. It mentally puts you in a different space. And one of the things that's super cool is if you do that exercise and then go write your ads, go write your copy, it's completely different than what you would have done before that because you're coming at it from a very different lens, different perspective. Yes, there's a high level of empathy when you're writing from that perspective. That's a very, very powerful exercise. Thank you for sharing that, Wayne. So I want to encourage our listeners that book Full Circle Marketing is it's an incredible read. It's very fast and some profound insights in here, including the litmus test, which I think, you know, we all need to be doing that in our business. It's just one of those books, Wayne, you have a remarkable ability to take a lot of complex information and really boil it down into something that's usable. I know you're an avid reader yourself and you're constantly out there learning. And one of the signs of real wisdom is being able to take things that feel really complex and just make them very simple. And the more we can do in our businesses to simplify, the better. One of my sayings is that complexity is the enemy of profit. And it's also the enemy of free time <laughs> as business owners and our ability to have breathing room. So anything that we can make simpler in our businesses, we absolutely need to do it. And marketing is one of those tools. And I appreciate the perspective on marketing as being relationship building. And you keep bringing that back into full circle marketing. So this is available on Amazon, but I think you also have a website for it, fullcirclemarketing.com. Correct. You're fullcirclemarketing.com. Uh, but the book is available on all the online places, Amazon, uh, 
Barnes and Noble, whatever all the online places are. Yeah. And your company is Ugly Mug Marketing. And is that the URL is uglymugmarketing.com? That's it. Okay. And you all specialize in building websites and Facebook campaigns, correct? That is correct. Yep, we sure do. On our site, we've got, you know, brief descriptions of the services we offer and uh, all of our contact info is there on the site as well. But just I want to add one quick note because you're speaking my language. When you talk about complexity and how it's the enemy of profit and it's the enemy of freedom and all these things, it's so true and I completely agree. But what's so interesting is that complexity is a natural byproduct of growth. So when we grow, complexity is natural. Like it comes out of the growth, which goes back though to what you were sharing earlier. And we were talking about where it's like this constant need to reevaluate because complexity creeps in. It's a natural thing. You know, and for me, one of the things that I have to be aware of is that that exact thing is like, as we grow, there is more complexity, but it has to literally, we have to have a system and a process in place to deal with the natural complexity that arises out of growth. So I appreciate you bringing that up because it's near and dear to my heart, if you will, right now. Yeah. You know, and as you're saying that, I'm thinking about what I keep hearing over and over is as your business grows, you have to break your systems and put new systems in. And I really think that does speak to the complexity that starts to develop in the business that business systems that worked at one level don't work at the other. And it's not that the systems break, we continue to try to use them. And that's where a lot of the debris that we talked about, I think, builds up. And it's important for us to have that process of evaluating and stepping back and saying, how do we make this simpler? How do we boil this thing down that's gotten so complex? How do we get it back to something that's more tangible, easier to manage, and simple? but it's an ongoing cycle. It's like everything in business. We're never done. There is no there. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for being with us again on the Profit by Design podcast, Wayne. I wish you tremendous luck with your book. And I encourage our listeners, if you need a website or you're looking at building some really simple and highly effective campaigns, consider Ugly Mug Marketing. Thank you so much, Sabrina. I've enjoyed our chat as always. Thank you for spending time with us today. Join our conversation in the Entrepreneurs Take Your Life Back Facebook community at tapthepotential.com forward slash group. Share your aha moments from today's episode, ask me questions, and join in on the fun with your fellow entrepreneurs on the journey to designing sustainably profitable businesses that give you more time for what matters most and more money in your bank account than ever. And finally, share today's episode with a friend if you know a friend who would enjoy it. This is real life business. Keep your chin up. Keep moving forward. You got this. If you've gotten value from today's show, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you are a repeat listener of the podcast, know that we greatly appreciate you at Tap the Potential. And to that end, I have a request. Please consider leaving us a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Our reviews help other entrepreneurs like you to find us. Be a part of our movement to help entrepreneurs take your life back from your business.